One time, I was talking to a person, and they told me the story of how, about how they became a Christian. They were doing what they usually did at that time, staying up late, drawing in their bedroom, and smoking a lot of pot. When suddenly, they were enveloped in this weird feeling of love. This feeling was so powerful that they laid on the ground, crying. They knew that it was God telling them to accept Jesus into their heart and follow him. And so they did. They prayed, and after that moment, they were never the same again. Now, there's likely two reactions you may have had to this story. One, the reaction we're supposed to have. God is always working, no matter where, no matter what. Or two, my reaction. As the after-school special says, this is your brain on drugs. Some people have remarkable stories of redemption. They've been involved in gangs or suffered from addiction. Maybe they were victims of atrocities or natural disasters, or maybe their own self-destruction. But now, thanks to Jesus, they are free from these things and are now helping other victims find safety and improve the world. I don't have a powerful story like that. I'm a millennial. My age cohort has been largely responsible for the fastest growing religious conversion movement in American history. It started with people my age, has continued with younger generations, and spread to older generations. For the past 30 or so years, have seen a remarkable growth in the re religious affiliation called none. And while there have been countless rants devoted to this topic, blaming everyone and everything, whether it's atheist professors at colleges to secular music and movies, in my opinion, a glance at the news is a big reason why. There's religious violence around the world, one preacher arrested for the misuse of church funds, Another preacher credibly accused of abusing women and girls, or trying to cover up the church leaders who did. Another buys a private jet from funds raised from the elderly. Wouldn't it be easier to walk away? It's tempting. Sleep in a little on a Sunday, wake up, watch the Formula One race, head out for brunch, and spend the afternoon baking and relaxing. I could tell myself that life and consciousness are just a happy accident of biochemical reactions or an unfortunate accident of biochemical reactions. I could tell myself that I could chase after the archetype of man that is so often promoted in our society. A man that is independent, successful, relies on no one. These are the things that people my age are telling themselves. And sometimes I've even listened, but it doesn't work for me. A Sunday of watching Verstappen outpace the field and sourdough bread is not fulfilling but neither is chasing success and recognition. For the things that we acquire, we cannot keep. And of all the things that we could take with us is only what we give away. I cannot go on my own and call myself a grateful or generous person because I'm not those things, not on my own. Jesus, all the prophets, and all the saints have told me something. Since the beginning, God is always searching for active participants people who will care and love their neighbors and strangers in a divine way. So why am I a Christian? In some respects, it's probably simpler than I care to admit. I was born to Rod and Jan Baker in the United States in the last quarter of the 20th century. My dad grew up in a disciples church 
and so did I. Had I been born in Karachi, I'd probably be a Muslim. If I grew up in Mumbai, I'd probably be a Hindu. In some places, maybe I would worship my ancestors. In other places, I wouldn't be allowed to have a religion at all. I remember being baptized as a child. This was during our congregation's time in the wilderness, between moving out of the Rock Church on Perry Street and moving in here. We met at Sundays at Central Gwinnett High School, so for my baptism, we had to go to New Hope, our sister congregation, to borrow their baptistry. Reverend Hoyt took me under and brought me back up. Other than being a lot wetter and a lot colder, I don't really recall feeling any different that day. But I continued to grow, to study, to read, and listen. We went through various pastors, youth sponsors, youth ministers, and Sunday school teachers, each of them sharing kind words, or sometimes a stern word, but always words that I needed to hear. Then suddenly I'm 21. No job, no money, but expecting a child. I'm feeling hopeless, alienated, driftless, and afraid. I don't know how to quite take care of myself yet, let alone a baby in a family. But while I didn't know how to take care of my unexpected new family, my church did. Gifts poured in, baby books, a playpen, but the most important gifts weren't the physical ones. The most important gifts was that this congregation continued to encourage the development of my own gifts, encouraging me to teach and preach and serve in leadership roles. It was a strange feeling. I didn't feel like I was good enough to take on these roles, but here they were being offered to me all the same. I wondered if you did not understand that I was in no way the person that you thought I was. Had not the only talent that I had shown was my remarkable talent for self-sabotage? I'm reminded the parable of the prodigal son, the younger son begrudgingly coming home, convinced that he's not worthy to be a part of the family after the emotional and financial devastation that he wreaked. The older son angry at the father for throwing a party and rewarding this behavior, the unfairness of it all. The problem for both those brothers was that they grew up in an environment where love was so present that they couldn't even see it, just like how we never see or think about the air that we breathe. And while I may have dominated Bible trivia in youth group, I couldn't tell you about love and grace because I couldn't see it. But after I had alienated from myself, I began to learn. That's how I was shown God's love, that it cannot be forced or manipulated. It cannot be taught or understood in a sermon, that no matter the story of one's faith, there is always a choice, a room for the other person to decide. And if that choice is rejection, that person will still belong to God. I belong to God, and so do you. No matter your choices or your circumstances, God will meet you there and bring you here. It doesn't matter your history. God will embrace all of you and all of your story just so God can write a new one. So why am I a Christian? Because I was born in Arada Jan Baker, and I grew up at Lawrenceville First with all of you. I'm a Christian because you all have shown me how. When I was asked to talk about my faith journey, I thought, oh, geez. I don't like to talk in front of people anyway, so this is a big one for me. But when I think about it, I think about a long time ago, it started right at the very beginning. Uh, 
I'm really trying to figure out when I'm going to get it right, too. Um, I think back to where it began many years ago in a small town in West Central Georgia, Manchester. It was a really thriving small little town. There were employment opportunities. There was the Callaway Mill, Coca-Cola Bottling Company, Main Street with lots of stores, the post office, the movie theater. My parents were very hardworking people raising five children. I was the middle of that five. The area where we lived when I was very small, when I was born, uh, it was called the Mill Village. That's because it grew up around Callaway Mill. A family in LaGrange opened the mill. It was a counterpart to the main mill in LaGrange. Um, both my mom and dad both worked in the mill for a while. <clears throat> Early on in the Mill Village, it consisted of the mill and the railroad, which Bob could probably tell you more about that than I can, um, Callaway Center, which we called the Y, and Northside Baptist Church and Macedonia Methodist Church. So you, you, you had a choice, you, you know, one or the other. Um, every Sunday morning, my mother would get all five kids up, get them fed, get them dressed, and get them to Sunday school and church. Well, while she was doing the feeding and dressing, my dad was sitting and listening to the um, Gospel Jubilee, I think that's what it's called. Um, anyway, it was a music, gospel music show that was on very loud in our house early on in the morning until we left to go to Sunday school and church. After church, we would leave to go to my mama and papa Mooney's house in Woodbury. It was about a 10-mile drive. We would have lunch with them every Sunday, and then late in the afternoon, we'd get all piled back in the car, go home, change clothes again to get to church at night. And it was a Baptist church, so we did have communion about once a quarter on Sunday night. Um, we attended Wednesday night services, we had GA services. So really, my life consisted of home, the Y, and the church, which they just happened to be three doors down from each other. My first memories of church was in, it was a little, they were, like I said, there were three doors down from the Y and the, the church. Two of those houses were owned by the Y. One was the parsonage and one was, I guess, pre-kindergarten and nursery, uh, if I can remember correctly. Anyway, and of course, you would never forget that wonderful week during the summer when you had um, Bible school. I think my Sunday school teachers and my Bible school teachers probably molded my, me from the very beginning, by the time I could walk. Um, and of course, the person that loved that Bible school the most was probably Skeeter Wilson. He ran the Y. So that was a few hours in the morning that he wouldn't have a pile of kids under his feet. Um, and then at 2 o'clock when the pool opened, that's where we all were. Uh, probably every day of my life during the summer, except when I was at church camp or at Bible school, I was at the Y. Um, I looked up to a lot of those lifeguards at the Y. I really aspired to be a lifeguard for the Y when I grew up. Um, and one of those people that lifeguarded, some of you may notice the name, but some of you may not, was Billy Mathis. He, um, he was one of Manchester's football legends, and he played for the New York Jets. And uh, a couple of times he brought Joe Namath home with him. And you're talking about packed the pews at Northside? They were packed that weekend. Uh, most of us were, uh, well, most all of us were within walking distance of the church, so Bible school was a big deal. It was a big draw. Um, this is kind of funny. I was talking about the Y uh, and the church being so tied together, because if you went to the Y, you went to the church and back and forth. But um, 
the Callaway family, they supplied a kindergarten teacher for the children whose parents worked at the mill. They supplied the dance teacher. Uh, both of those things I took advantage of. But my very best friend from, I can remember, was in kindergarten. She went to school with me in kindergarten, then first grade, and then she moved to LaGrange, and we lost touch. Well, she now lives in Monroe, and we have reconnected. And um, we were having lunch not too long ago, and she said, uh, we were talking about kindergarten, and she said she told her husband that she went to kindergarten. He said, I didn't know you were rich. Only rich people went to kindergarten. Well, we had a really big laugh about that because we were far from rich, that's for sure. Um, as I said, I spent my time at the church or at the Y. At the Y, I swam in swim meets. I cheered for little league football. I skated on the basketball uh, court and probably went to a million adult basketball and softball games. When I was about maybe third grade, I think, I think it was third grade, uh, my dad had gone to work for the city as a, a fire, in the fire department. One Saturday afternoon, I was at the theater, and um, my mother was hanging out clothes. I don't know where everybody else was, but she turned around and looked, and the house was on fire. So she had to call my daddy to tell him that our house burned to the ground. Mm. Um, after that, we moved. My dad um, became the city recreation director. My mother became a nurse for Dr. Collins at his office. He also was raised in the Mill Village and went to Northside. Um, I don't remember a lot of the minister's names at Northside, but I do remember Reverend John Askew who, who uh, baptized me, and I do remember Reverend John Horton who did our wedding service. But when I talk about becoming a Christian, I think about my baptism, and I think about my confession of faith. Well, you know, there's that really awesome week during the summer when you have revival. And it was one of those revivals, and I think it was about 1961. I was uh, there, my parents were there. It was on, on a night, it was during the week. And um, during the invitation, my body just started moving. And I couldn't have stopped it. It was like somebody was pushing me or pulling me. I was gonna go up there no matter what. Um, and afterwards, my mom said, why didn't you let us know? And I said, I didn't know. I couldn't do, I couldn't do anything about it. But I think my, my mama knew because we, you know, had to have a white dress to be baptized in. She was already halfway through making my white dress. She sewed all my clothes. Um, when I was in high school, I spent most of my time, because I had been raised at the Y, and my dad was a record director, I spent most of my time at a ball field in a gym. Um, I cheered, I ran track. I played softball, I played basketball, everything. Uh, <clears throat> so I spent a lot of my time at school then. It was about that same time that there was a big shift in Manchester. Uh, the, the old Y was torn down, a new one was built. Uh, it changed locations a little bit, not far, when you, when you talk about five or six blocks. Um, the, y, the, the mill start closed, started closing, and they built a new one in West Point. Some people could drive to West Point, a lot of them couldn't. A lot of these people in the mill village were older and they retired. So that changed completely. It kind of closed down. Um, I don't really remember how the railroad was functioning then. I know the Coca-Cola Balling Company closed. A lot of things happened at that time. Um, but. 
I still spent a lot of hours, even high school and college, at church and at the Y. Um, actually, I, I did end up uh, lifeguarding. I lifeguarded at the Y the whole time I was in college. Um, I've stumbled a lot of times, I mean many, many times in my faith journey. But so far, Jesus has picked me right up, dusted me off, and pushed me again right on where I need to go. I was blessed when I met Sanford in college. We met during the summer. We went, both went summer quarter. And uh, it was funny because we went to register. And uh, I'll never forget this. You had to write down your Christian, you know, your affiliation, your church affiliation. I put Northside Baptist Church. He put Christian. I said, yeah, but what kind of Christian? He said, Christian. I said, yeah, but I go to Northside Baptist Church. Where do you go? He said, I go to Lawrenceville First Christian. I went, that's how sheltered I'd been. You either went to the Baptist Church or the Methodist Church. We, I think we did have a Church of God. I, I don't remember that. But, but uh, I was only familiar with Baptist and Methodist. So this was a, a big thing. I was surrounded by such a wonderful church family. So when I met Sanford and we moved to Lawrence, well, I, I came to visit Lawrenceville, his church family just, they surrounded with me so much love. And they just brought me right in, like, you know, I was one of them. It, I, some of the ladies, I, I'm not even gonna start calling names, I'll know I'll leave some out. But this church opened their arms to me and they've been with me along this whole journey. They've helped us raise our family, helped them to choose to follow Jesus also. I don't know how my mom did it with five children, getting them dressed and getting them ready to church because I stumbled a lot trying to get just three out the door. But Sanford did not listen to the Gospel Jubilee every, morning, every Sunday morning. He did some, but not every Sunday. He was there, he was there for me. So was his family and so was this church. I thank God every day because he saw enough in me that he could pick me up, dust me off, and straighten me out every time. And I pray that he will continue to do that as I continue this journey. Good morning, everybody. Those that don't know me, I'm Andrew Jensen, and wanted to first thank Reverend Teresa for asking me to share my experience in accepting Christ. And let me preface this with the admission that public speaking and the anxiety that comes with it is not my first choice of contribution as a lay leader, but I'm happy to do it. In fact, public speaking was the only course I ever dropped out while at the University of Georgia. Had to do that or interpersonal, and interpersonal communication worked out well. I'm taking the perspective of, like most things in life, repetition and practicing the skills, the best way to improve it. My first notable appearance in church was up in Iowa, was when I was uh, cast as baby Jesus when I was just over three weeks old in a nativity scene at Davenport First Christian Church in Iowa. As it happened, uh, soiling myself and the cries to follow didn't allow me to make it through the entire nativity scene. Uh, I love those churches in Iowa, Davenport First and Cedar Memorial First, with so many childhood memories, uh, glass bottle Cokes and linger longer with my grandparents and cousins and uh, 
Strange congregants of my parents' past that would come up and squeeze my cheeks and whatnot. It had a grand sanctuary with a balcony, and Pastor Fred was there for a good 20 years. He often joked about my maternal grandmother's name, Olive, as in Olive the other reindeer during our Christmas trips when we'd stand up on the pews each Christmas time. Uh, Mom and Dad, they moved us down here in the 80s and found Lawrenceville First Christian when we moved here in 87. I enjoyed our various fluctuating youth groups and programs, mostly under the tutelage of Reverend Hoyt over there. I enjoyed vacation Bible school and later helping with younger kids during my high school years. I think that and reading to kids in my adolescence gave me confidence to pass on some lessons and mentoring that shaped me early on. But as we all can relate, not all of life is positive. Uh, we grew up with uh, two bracelets there in the 90s and 2000 kids. We had a Live Strong and WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Most of us realize how many people and patients benefited from Lance Armstrong's ca cancer fighting initiative after he experienced cancer himself, the Tour de, Fan de, de France champion. He was an American hero reaching the pinnacle of sports that most Americans didn't even follow unless we want it. Of course, those yellow bracelets didn't end too well with the doping allegations that relabeled him as a, a fraud and a cheater. Uh, the other bracelets were, what would Jesus do, WWJD? Now, us Jensen kids weren't too deprived, but we never received one of these coveted fads of the time. However, that's part of life, and growing up, you don't get everything you want. Like our, Brooklyn, our Brookwood Latin teacher, Mr. G, he had his isms, and he would say, this, this ain't Burger King, you, ain't, you don't get it your way. <laughs> Still got a dry throat here. As a kid struggling with his confidence, it often seemed daunting to pause and think, what would Jesus do? And utilize that perspective in your decision making. It seemed heavy to think I had to think the same way as God's son. How can anyone attain such a mindset? It surely helped temper my well temper when getting picked on in middle school and early high school for my either beached whale figure or perhaps some immature bullies poking fun at dad's unusually high-pitched voice. That's been on my mind this week while my sweet 12-year-old niece Claire has been experiencing more bullying this school year. It sure makes it hard, harder to keep the faith in the WWJD fashion when our icons or even everyday peers display such heartlessness and hypocrisy. How many faith leaders have we seen struck down from their pinnacle, as Joey alluded to earlier? This has contributed to the distrust and distaste and decline of religion in our country, as Joey also alerted, alluded to earlier. Well, we all know we are sinners, or as Pam from the office said, Poe Buddy's nerfed. Grace, my eldest uh, niece's middle name, goes hand in hand with our uh, sinful ways. Grace goes hand in hand with sin. Around the age of eight, my brother Mark and I were baptized at the old rock church there on Perry uh, Street before we went to the, our wilderness period and eventually found our home here at, on Sugarloaf or what used to be known as Houston Street, I believe. Um, I understood at the time that the baptism was a big deal in any Christian's path. My, uh, my grandparents came down from Iowa and it seemed more of a convenience of my relative's trip south 
Uh, looking back, sometimes it seemed more of a, a footnote stepping stone than a prioritized curriculum of other Christian peers that I'd grown up with that went through confirmation or similar things. In college at UGA, Disciples on Campus had a profound impact in shaping my faith and values. Again, we had an abundance of ministerial talent, uh, just like we do here today, with Bob Harris and, and Diane Bales and Courtney and Patrick Chandler, along with some appearances from pastors and lay leaders from other local churches. I especially loved when we did outreach and when we worshiped with the Presbyterians, Lutherans, and Episcopalians and, and got everyone together. And we also occasionally met with other faith groups like um, Jewish, um, the Jewish group Dogs for Israel. And, and uh, one time we even met up with the, the, some, a Muslim student group and, and had a good dialogue. We all had different faiths but still made the priorities to worship with one another and create dialogue and understanding. This was a period soon after 9-11 that there were um, heightened tensions and distrust of other religions based on the fervor of the time. Another thing we did with disciples on campus were numerous ser service projects for the community. We insta installed a community garden in Brooklyn Community of Athens and another for the senior residential tower next to Athens First Christian. Though the most profound day of service was when we worked on a neglected historically African-American cemetery. We arrived at a wooden area with only a few grave markers and sections of fencing even indicating that this parcel of land was a cemetery. There were dozens of volunteers from other various clubs and campus ministry groups as we worked tirelessly. As we pulled weeds and trimmed back overgrown brush, we found more and more lost and neglected grave sites. And these were only the ones with surviving markers after so many years of being forgotten. And being MLK weekend, I couldn't help but recognize the evidence of the history of discrimination that likely contributed to the condition of the final resting place of these nearly forgotten souls. Part of the reason I went to UJ was to play football for a stalwart of the faith, Coach Mark Wright. I wouldn't say I idolized him, but while coaching his son at the Athens YMCA, I got a unique perspective of him and his wife Catherine's commitment to Christ. They were so giving and even adopted children from less fortunate areas like Ukraine after the Berlin Wall fell. In sports, I frequently attended FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and, and looked up to our chaplains. They were great comfort when teammates sustained injuries and other losses. Though when each locker room and pregame is getting psyched up with, if God is with us, then who can be against us? Uh, when each locker room's doing that, of course, our Lord's, Lord and Savior isn't favoring one sports team over another. Though I'm glad he was uh, with my Hawkeyes on Friday in basketball and wrestling. Uh, <laughs> Uh, couldn't complete this message without taking a shot at my closest Chris, uh, Christian friend, Joey, and his inferior corny neighbors to the west in Nebraska there. Uh, he sure quit replying after the basketball team uh, led the game off 17-2 in our text messaging on Friday night. Back to the message. Outreach is often when I feel most aligned with our faith community. Our denomination has always had a pioneer mentality. Since the days of Alexander Campbell and Barton Stone, we've had to work communally and pull each other up. I've really related to our faith's progressiveness and inclusiveness. 
All our welcome is more than lip service. It seemed as I studied AP Euro history in high school and in my own personal experience, I kept questioning, why do us Christians keep dividing ourselves with new schisms and denominations and even splitting congregations into new churches because of impenetrable disagreements instead of realizing, communicating, realizing and communicating there is far more that unites us than divides us. It's our faith in Jesus that builds this foundation. Um, after college, I spent two months in India after, uh, after graduating college. Also had a deep impact on my journey with Christ. We got shirts that I've stretched out over the years that still say, come and see regarding the Christian mission in Mongolia, India. There were so many inspiring and impactful mem memories of the resiliencies and steadfast faith, faith of the folk in the village, hospital, and school. As Americans spoiled by convenience, it dawned on me that these people didn't have time to imagine the complaints of convenience amongst their daily work and toil. And yet, their faith seemed impenetrable as well and so focal to their daily existence. I love breaking bread every week for communion, such a peaceful moment of reflection and dialogue with our Lord and Creator and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's such an organically connected way to take part in the Last Supper, the way Jesus taught us, so we may partake in the solemn ritual together. I love singing the hymns with another constant along my faith journey, Miss Kim's musical direction and leadership. We are also so blessed with so many active retired and active clergy here that can be a basis of our expertise in our journey with Christ.